put on your headphones and then listen to something else while someone taps you on the shoulder because it's a brand new episode of Game Shows, I Suppose. Everybody and welcome to the Niche Podcast about the one thing that I know something about game shows. I suppose I'm your host, Jordan Haas. We have a fantastic episode today. Chris is returning for Hot Streak, Bruce Forsyth's Hot Streak, a, a fantastic word association game. But before we talk it out, we got to get through the news. Hey, it's the news segment. So, uh, yeah, so Nick Cannon is no longer, uh, Wild and Out episodes are no longer on the air. Nick Cannon, however, is still hosting The Masked Singer. So that's, that's a thing. Uh, anyway, as I'm trying to look at different words and different, uh, things going on, Tyra Banks is the new host of, uh, Dancing with the Stars. People are kind of going everywhere from, yay, that's great, to, huh? I didn't really like her on America's Got Talent, but sure, okay. UK game shows. So, uh, Mel and Sue, the original host of Great British Bake Off. Uh, game show Newsnet's reporting that, well, it's confirmed there's a movie, there's a trailer on Peacock. Give them the cock, the Peacock. Uh, August 6th, there's a brand new original series called The Hitmen featuring Mel and Sue as Jamie and Fran. Uh, they're trying to make their way around with only eternal lion. Also, they happen to kill each people for a living, fueled by their antics and fearless bickering. Each job inevitably gets derailed, leading into bizarre misadventures full of oddball characters and unexpected dilemmas. That is, that is a new show from Hitmen. Uh, also, Mel uh, Giedreich will return to Channel 4 for a new, uh, hob- hobby, ter- positive hobby, uh, reality show called Good With Wood. Channel 4 has announced that Mel will front the cheekily titled Good With Wood, a competition reality show centered all around woodworking. Each week, contestants will take part in the big build challenge set by judges and try not to be the ones set home. Fittingly, the competition will also be taking place in the woods. Next, we're going to go into more casting news. Casting! Uh, apparently, ABC is casting Who Wants to Be a Millionaire for Season 2. When we first reported... It was going to be another celebrity season, and I was about to go, no, you fucking don't do that, not under COVID, please don't, people are losing their asses here. And thankfully, from what I'm hearing, they have decided to change the casting. So now it is of responders and people affected by COVID. So if you're through a financial hardship and you're pretty good at multiple choice general knowledge questions, uh, apparently ABC wants you to go into the next season of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. But we're not stopping there with ABC and quiz shows. Yes, NBC is doing The Weakest Link, but ABC is now reporting to be bringing back another quiz show. 
What quiz show, you might be asking? Well, it's The Chase. I cannot say this is the truth yet, as there's no ABC press release, but this is coming from Buzzer Blog. And have they ever steered you wrong? So anyway, their late April Fool's Day article reads, Each episode sees a team of contestants bring back as much money as possible to the team's prize fund. But only if they can outrun the chaser. Anyone who is caught leaves the game with nothing. If the team can outrun the chaser one final time in the final chase, the team evenly splits the potentially six-figure bank. I should point out that this is not open casting. They're trying to go for Jeopardy contestants and who wants to be a millionaire challengers. So anyone who's won a lot of money on a game show will return for the chase. Uh, my guess is that it's probably going to be not like the GSN run. I assume if they're going to go for it on ABC, it's not going to be with Mark Labette and it's not going to be a Brooke Burns. They'll probably pick another host and probably another chaser. Most likely because ABC just got fresh out of the greatest of all time tournament on ABC. James Holtzauer or Brad Rutter or even the winner Ken Jennings. And I'm going to take a guess and say that they're trying to minimize the amount of casting. Not because they don't want to, but because of the weird times of COVID. Trivia Nationals didn't really exist. They want to get smart, smart people involved with the show. And this is the quickest way you can do that because I think they want to speed up the process to bring out the show. So I would not be surprised if they start taping this in late September, early October for a late Christmas, January release for 2021. But because I'm not seeing any ABC announcement, this could very well just be kind of like The Hustler of Craig Ferguson, a show that they announce and then it just kind of just disappeared. Billy Eichner is going to play Paul Lynn in Man in the Box about the gifted actor Paul Lynn. Both at his time doing Bewitched to his time doing Hollywood Squares and being in the closet in Hollywood because this was at a time when if you came out as gay, you weren't going to get much roles in Hollywood. Something that's kind of still paralleling to that in today's Hollywood. Deadline has a full-on interview with Billy Eichner about it. And I thought it was very, very good. Anyway, uh, season 22 Big Brother USA is actually going to happen. And it's being leaked that it's actually going to be an all-star season. Were you shocked? Were you shocked there was going to be a Big Brother this year? Were you shocked it was going to be an all-star season? No, I don't think you were. But it helps. So the news broke about it being an all-star season over the week. And not only that... But the news about what's going on is they're apparently quarantining the cast as we speak because it's two weeks of quarantine and they're also going to be quarantining the crew. That was the thing I was kind of worrying about when I said if they're going to do a Big Brother season was not so much the cast, but rather the crew, the people who have to run in the, in the camera lines, uh, the, the people who have to run do challenges. Uh, if there is a PA and they need to run, grab something in the studio because of an eviction night, what's going to happen? And I'm guessing there's not going to be an audience for eviction nights either with Julie. So it, it doesn't seem like they're going to go with the Australian route where they're just going to be doing Speed Big Brother. I'm calling it Speed Big Brother because I think it's easier. Where it's just challenge, challenge, eviction, challenge, challenge, eviction, challenge, challenge, eviction, challenge, challenge, eviction over and over again, recording it. 
and then ending it in the course of a few weeks to make it appear like it's going on live. And there, there seems they they really want to go for the twenty four seven feed still, which is kind of scary. Still, I, I'm I'm still very scared. But from what they're what I'm gathering, what they're gonna try and do is an NBA style bubble where anyone who's going to work in this show is in quarantine on lockdown. Uh, they're gonna live in in RVs on the studio lot, <laughs> and. I, I got it. Even though everyone says Big Brother is a safe format because they're stuck in quarantine, they can't be. It's not about the cast. It really is the crew members. I got to think about like grocery runs. You got to think like if Big Brother has the food luxury competitions and they have to bring in the cornflakes and the meat every week, like someone has to go to the fucking grocery store and pick that up. Will they be safe? Will they will they have a mask? Well, apparently they're selling Big Brother All Stars masks too, which is going to be beautiful and to remind you of a great time that this season will bring us. When Big Brother Canada started, they canceled the fucking season during COVID. Big Brother Australia, a crew member got COVID and they had to pretty much freeze production for a full day. So I am very pessimistic about an American Big Brother there's going to be a crew member getting sick. There's going to be something, and it's going to ruin the show. And it's not just because it's all-star season. That's just a, a Big Brother fandom thing of, What about Jordan? I don't want to see Jordan. No, no, please don't. Please no more. It can only handle Rachel and Brandon for so long that you have to make it stop. Please don't do that. Make it stop. Please don't even get Frankie Grande. Make it stop. Anyway, we, we as we're about to close this out, uh, I've been on Amazon Prime because I need to shop, and I I want to give Jeff Bezos all my money, unintentionally, and uh, pointless and celebrity pointless are on the Amazon Prime video store. So if you are an American, uh, tune in. Hey, Americans like me, we love our apple pie and Chevrolet and uh, veiled attempts at feeling like the lone wolf. Hey, please check out Amazon Prime. You probably have it because you want that two-day shipping. I get you. And there is a game show called Pointless on there and a celebrity edition called Pointless Celebrities. And they're a lot of fun, and I do recommend you watch it because you will enjoy this bizarre game show about basically what you don't know, which is the best show out there. In addition to that, the British Deal or No Deal is also available on uh, on Amazon Prime, uh, Noel Edmonds version, which is about a decade old at this point, but I still love that show so much. I love Deal or No Deal. So for me, this has like been a good British game show, just a surprise for me, is, hey, Pointless and Deal or No Deal, two game shows you enjoy, boom, right on Amazon. Uh, also, they finished up Last One Laughing in Australia today. Uh I saw it. It still is the weirdest fucking show. I don't get it. And while most people are going, oh my god, Supermarket Sweeps on Netflix, I'm sitting here going, Deal or No Deal UK is on Amazon Prime. And Pointless. Also, like, there are other game shows than Supermarket Sweep on Netflix. The Circle came out this year. Maybe give that a watch. I enjoy that show. Also... There, there's Win Sanity and the Mo Genius and Idiot Test, and I think The Chase is still on there. 
and even like originals like that really crappy flinch and awake the million dollar game and uh, jeopardy jeopardy reruns are also on there because uh, that is of course the, the best quiz show out there you can ever watch uh there's three different archives the celebrate alex archive there is a section devoted to seth wilson and one to Cindy Stowell, which is uh, a w- three wonderful uh, collections of Jeopardy episodes. I recommend you, you tune in. This week, there is uh, Jeopardy from the Vault on syndicated television. So wherever you would have normally gotten a Jeopardy episode would now be a retro Jeopardy show in its place. Give it a watch. Uh, Monday was the very first Jeopardy and today was the first surprise. Uh, I'll give you a hint. No winners. And to close out the Jeopardy section, uh, there is a brand new book out uh, called The Answer Is, The Memoirs of Alex Trebek. More on that at the end of the show, but now we got to get through today's episode. So this week's episode is talking about Bruce Forsyth's Hot Streak. Bruce Forsyth is a master class of game shows. I think we will be talking about that this entire episode, more or less, because from things like the Generation Game to Play Your Cards Right to uh, game shows like uh, Takeover Bid to Didn't They Do Well, he was a master class of game shows. And he always was the sign of UK game shows. In fact, I would say he was kind of to the UK as Bob Barker was here in America, the most beloved game show host in the country. And and he passed away in 2017, and I don't think the UK public have really tried to find their new Bruce Forsyth. It's really hard to replace the guy. But one thing he've always he's always wanted to try was game shows in America because when you are a game show host in America, you have arrived. It is considered like the ultimate chair. And his show was essentially Hot Streak, a run for the money show. And it's a story about failure and success and where one place fails, another begins and more or less how every country has some variant of the give-a-clue game in one form or another. So join me as we talk about Bruce Forsyth's Hot Streak. Now let's turn the table. With me on the line is Game Show's, I suppose, regular correspondent now, Chris Lane. <laughs> I don't know how the hell this happened, but hey, George, what's going on? I'm, I'm doing good, Chris. You know, <laughs> if it's not you, it's Brandon Parnes. It's Mike Klaus. <laughs> it's... But you know what? We have a good time. We always have. <laughs> I always have a good time when I'm it, It's <laughs> Last time you were here, we were talking the bubble. 
We didn't really talk about that one Fox special. I guess that's going to be for a later date. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> trust me. I'm sure if, if you'll have me back yet again, who the hell knows next? It's one of those... Uh, straight it's one of those things where it's like look i I, this is like the break the fourth wall kind of thing directing to the audience there are like a thousand game shows (laughs) (laughs) even when i thought like oh this project will be good i thought like okay maybe like 200 game shows and just kept like rattling off like oh you know wheel of fortune jeopardy let's make a deal the price is right and just kept going down with american formats and then it's like Okay, then we'll go to UK format. So countdown and the chase and this and Australian formats like sale of the century and the, and then it's suddenly it's like well it's expansive. Oh wait, singing shows count. Wait, cooking shows count. Damn it, <laughs> these one-off specials count. And then you realize how many programs lasted the wonderful thing known as thirteen weeks. Thirteen weeks, the great number. So so thirteen weeks a year mean one of two things. You're 13 episodes, one per week, uh, like your favorite fun and game shows on ABC, or it means the uh, five-a-week slot, I mean, they only ran for 85 episodes. And today's episode is really one of the strangest uh, game shows. It was not strange. It's, it's, look, if I, I, what I should have done was I should have started with me on the party line. (laughs) Um, so today's game show is, uh, look, I'm going to, I don't know if I want to title the episode Bruce Forsyth's Hot Streak or go with a more familiar to international viewers like Ruck Zuck, uh, or just plain, plain old Hot Streak, but today's episode is Bruce Forsyth's Hot Streak. Well, it's nice to see you. See you. Nice. And you know what? I have to say, I am so thrilled to learn about this. Uh, those that may not be aware uh, late 90s, mid 2000s, I ran a private website, Super Show 8000. It was dedicated to 80s game shows, and Hot Streak was one of my favorites. I had a whole site dedicated. That, the, I'm not going to specify if I went to that website, but yes, I have. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the, now I think about it, a lot of the game show community I still interact with, it's like a weird circle. And I was like yeah. always the one in passive, like looking at the sites, but never engaging. <laughs> Well, what's funny is, I mean, some of these fine uh, gentlemen and ladies that I've known over the years, some of these have been friendships that I've now had for going on 25 years. Unreal. Because it was only yesterday that I was tapping away at HTML. So, it's the 80s. Now, we're go- now I like to say each decade has their own, like, like spike in game shows. And I always like to say, let's sort of walk down memory, like, 50s was the suburban post-World War II era where it was all prizes relocated to veterans and just like, here's the house, here's the car, here's the suburban lifestyle. We're advertising Americana. 60s was the uh, start of part, was what I call the swinging 60s. You know, a lot of party panels. If the fun's on the TV, everyone has a TV now. Everyone could watch and have fun. Watch the fun, more, more broad American game show. 70s was the anti was the counterculture 70s that was your match games your family feud starts a lot of provocative people say weird stuff 80s is the uh era where game shows had the huge spike and this is why it's probably your specialist subject is like 80s geez every network had like at least five game shows at one time or another 
Now, when you're talking about Spike, are we talking about an Inks and Game shows, or are we talking about the hairstock? No, that would probably be around the late 80s with a mullet <laughs> added to it. Well, I tell you right now, like around 87, 88, when I was about six, I did rock this. In the 90s is the anti-90s. That was when it's the anti-game show. This isn't your mama's dating game. This isn't your dad's. Yeah, let's this make is the, this is the 90s. We're going to kill our. And then it's like, look, at, and if it's not that, it's uh, the uh, millionaire. Because, look, every game show is bright and colorful. This is dark. This isn't like the price is right. Ooh. It's gritty. And then you get to the 2000s and it's, well, millionaire is popular. Let's do big million dollar game show night. And they're all in black. We got three sets. We got the weakest link sets. Uh, it's your chance of a lifetime. Uh, yep. Winning lines. Oh, and don't get, forget, like, then the mid-2000s, when it was right before Deal or No Deal, which was the next of the big money game shows, was your national bingo nights, your uh, your attempt at at uh, audience participation. So you had things like My Kind of Town on ABC, mm-hmm. Opportunity Knocks. Then you then get to... Course, then, of course, the 2000s was the decade where suddenly everybody could sing. Everyone can sing. You have to have a talent. Everyone can be Which famous. Which is ironic because that should have been in the 60s, like the whole family. I mean, there was like someone. I mean, like, if you think of things like American Bandstand and, I mean, there was some dance, but like, who, who a Baloo? <laughs> um, I probably butchered that name. And then, like, the 2010s, it's the, well, we don't really want to do game shows, but if we do, it has to be a celebrity show to plug something. And the host has to have been a comedian at some point. So if it's if it has to be Jane Lynch, and it's, Hey, Chris, I heard you're on a new sitcom here on NBC. Or it's uh, it's a reboot of an existing game show, which was the later half, because that was Press Your Luck, that's Card Sharks, that's To Tell the Truth, uh, because it's package deals. Everything's now a package deal. You get the big celebrity... With a familiar format that people vaguely remember, and you reboot it because it's cheap. Right, and you know, and with all the game shows that are reboot, the only one that doesn't really follow the celebrity format is and card. Yeah, card sharks. Unless you consider Joel McHale a celebrity. Well, same with Elizabeth Banks. And press your luck, it's Elizabeth Banks. It's just like she's right off her like Hollywood blockbuster career, Lego Movie and and Hunger Games. Uh, but I do, but I do have to say, I think she's doing a banging job for. And I'm gonna call it right now, even though we are in the middle of 2020. I think 2020, you're going to start seeing a reversal of the game show. Well, unfortunately, with what we're going through right now, that's pretty much inevitable. Well, I'm thinking the new here because I think the new game show is going to be uh, more interactive through the home networks, more interactive through internet, through TV. And smaller you know sets and you know what's funny though because i can remember going as far back as the late 90s with like game show network trying to do the whole interactive thing either with the touchtone phones or the set top tv boxes that had the interactive abilities and now here we are 20 years later and it's going to be happening all over i think but now we have the tech that actually will not look terrible so you um, mean throughout neck might actually be a good time this time around but I think like people are going to have that that pushback. Like this isn't the real show. There's no physical people on the set. Um, but I think that's going to be 2020s. It's going to be kind of like the anti 90s in the reversal of big flashy dramatic sets. But it's going to be uh, more realistic. Like it's going to be 
unscripted, whatever it says goes, interactivity all over the place. So now we got to go back 30 years. So, uh, game shows all over the place. And Reg Grundy, who we've recently talked about in the Sell the Century episode, uh, had, has had a hot streak of shows. <laughs> Please laugh. Uh, not just nice. so prizes. Nothing for a pair. Not in this game. Then let's go to another game. A cuddly toy. Wow, we nothing for a pair in this game. Um, so Red Grundy, Sail the Century, and Scrabble. We've already talked about both those shows. Please do not. Tra- I don't want to be traumatized by Scrabble anymore. <laughs> Uh, and this is a game show where it's it's kind of like pyramid meets taboo meets password meets go. Yes, uh, it's a team of five versus a team of five. Now, in most international formats, it, it later changed to it's no longer men versus women. It's kind of groups of friends versus groups of friends. But follow, follow me with the with the two teams of five. Each of these pairs of teen these these groups of five are split up, men, women, and four of the team members have headphones on, big honking headphones because technology yeah. wasn't there. Well, you know what? Not only that, but those headphones were great for blocking out noise externally. It was very important this application. But you know what? There's just something about those big headphones that it's got such a charm. And everyone gets to put on these soundproof headphones and they turn their back away from the teammate. The teammate has a choice of two words. Whatever they don't choose goes over to their opponent. And all they got to do is tell the first, is tap the shoulder of their partner and delegate the clue. For instance, we'll say for the sake of uh, uh, example here, uh, the word is banana. So you tap the shoulder, beep, beep. 40 seconds are on the clock for each one. And suddenly a person goes, yellow fruit that you peel, banana, bing. Now player two is now the one delegating that he knows the word is banana. Tap the shoulder of player number three because player one went to two. Now two is going to three. Tap, tap. It's the thing that King Kong eats. It's right. It, it ripens. It's a ripe. It ripens. It's fruit. It's banana. Ding. Now player now, three has to go to player four. <laughs> now most importantly, though, at no point are you able to repeat a keyword phrase to describe it. Otherwise, the game stops. And as we said, you must not pantomime. Pantomiming is not allowed. The opposite body language for pantomiming was everything. Exactly. Uh, this like is anti body language, which what we talked, which we talked about a few. This <laughs> seems like everything is connected somehow in this. Um, I know. I, I can't wait for our next one. But let's continue. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Uh, so as the so as the points increase, the uh, the taboo words basically increase as well. Because now we we went from a yellow fruit that you peel, which means you can't say yellow fruit and peel, right? To you can't say King Kong and ripe. So now so you can't basically, say. The further down the line you go, you have to be more creative with your clues because you have to assume that all the easy clues have already been accounted for. 
And then usually when it gets to like the last 10 seconds is when it becomes the most strangest. It either becomes Jimmy Fallon level silly or it becomes like an obscure clue. Like when I enjoy runts, the candy runts, uh, it's my least favorite flavor of runts. It doesn't taste good. <laughs> I like runts. I haven't had runts in years. My God, what the hell? <laughs> Shit, I want to get a box of runts now. I used to get them every... <laughs> that's what i did what did i do wrong because because then it's a um because then it becomes like a strange storytelling like when now, i see, order when i order a dessert i like to get this goopy dessert uh it's it's just it's just it's not a mousse it's something else and here. it's not chocolate but Vanilla. or tapioca it's a different kind of it's well, no, no, not, but it's, uh, and then it's either going to be time up or suddenly he's, uh, they say like, it's a fruit. Pew, pew, pew. Oh, what happened, Bert? Well, fruit, well, Bruce, he's, uh, she said fruit. <laughs> oh, well, that's a, that's a bummo. Oh, well, you got three, right? That's 300. <laughs> <laughs> now, the one thing that was, was that if you did have a, a, um, if you did have a team of people that you actually knew, you were able to get a little bit more personal. Like you can, like if it was banana, for example, I could say it's the one fruit I hate. Uh, uh, mango, uh, cantaloupe. No, it's the fruit I can't stand. Oh, banana. You always take, you always take it from me when I get a fruit salad. You always take it off my plate. The banana, the banana, bing. Bing. So meanwhile, the people at home are like, what the fuck are they talking about? <laughs> But see, that's the thing where it's like, in our version, which is America's version, it's played men versus women, and I think they're complete strangers. <laughs> like, these are all randos. Which sucks, because you can't do, you know, the whole, oh, I don't like this. But in other versions, uh, which we're about to jump and into... boy, is, were there a lot of them. In the other versions, such as German's Ruck Zuck, and in uh, Kumanikata, uh, in Indonesia, uh, they're played with groups and celebrities, and that those two versions really better than this version um but when we get so so it plays kind of in three rounds the first two rounds are single rounds one point for each correct answer out of your out of four possible points because one to two two to three three to four four to five and 40 seconds other team has their 40 seconds and their chance to get the four points round two same single points so another up four points available Round three is the catch-up round, and as always, uh, it follows the pattern of, well, if it's single and single, third round must be a double. So up to eight points can be won, a big catch-up can be won, or nothing really significant. Now, of course, that was when you were talking about with them, because here in, uh, for the American, they didn't do the point system, they actually just used dollars. They did dollars, which is weird because every other version has points. We do dollars. Well, well, you know, Americans, we did it for, we did it, we know how it is. We can't, password was points. We don't, we understand point, match game is played with points. Well, look, Go wasn't points, Go was time. And, and like Family Feud was originally dollars and now it's points. You think Steve Harvey has an extra like $196 to throw out just like that? No. At $5 of points in 1976, absolutely. Uh, so, so in this version, whoever has the most points after three rounds goes on to the big money round where they can win up to $10,000 in 1986, which is pretty good, actually, if you consider 
it's roughly about fifty thousand dollars American today. Uh, so divided by five, which is ten thousand dollars, which is game show minimum. Uh, so it's it, on GSN. It's the oh no, we're no. If you want GSN version, we gotta wait till the end. You gotta wait till the end because I made three versions of my take on Hot Streak. I just can't wait to hear this. Let's keep going. All right. Uh, so no, so. We in the in the final round, it's now a flip version of Hot Streak. All four of the players have headphones on, but the leader, whoever's the captain of the team, gets to stand next to Bruce Forsyth. Instead of delegating clues and going, "Well, it's something you mean," and boo 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 boo, you just have to give passwords, four clue keywords to help describe uh, the person, place, or thing. And Brucey is encouraging you to go the most obvious. And of course. Since this was 1986, that never happened. When we're saying Miami Vice... You know, you would think Crockett and Tubbs. I think... Um, I would Don go Johnson. broader than that. The television. Florida. Right. And, like, no. They went, like, you know, white suit. And, da, da, da. and then the team only has 20 seconds, not 40, 20 seconds to figure out those four keywords. Now they have to find those keywords. In the earlier game where that's a no-no, this is a yes-yes. And for each one of the four that they get right, it is $200 in round one and $300 in round two. There's two words. So a possible $2,000 is at stake, 800 in the first round, 1200 in the second round. That's two grand. Uh, now the catch is with this round, cause there always has to be a catch, right? Of course. Uh, each person on the team of the four remaining who had the headphones on only has five seconds to figure out <laughs> what those four clue words are. So suddenly it's think fast. It's think fast or, uh, or talk about, it's talk about too. I like talk about, that was another good. But that's Canadian, and plus I think that was a better game because the points and it was like a back and forth kind of thing. But that what we're doing here. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, so so uh, Chris, give me give me an example of, of like a, a, a subject that would be in the final round, and I'll have five seconds. Give you so give you a subject, and you have five seconds to think about everything. Yeah, just uh, uh, okay. You have five seconds to give me as many words as you can think of that involve. It cools you off in the summer, and also it's boop, boop, boop. Pretty much. That's 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 the final round. Now, after those two rounds, it plays like match game. We five times the amount, or after two thousand dollars, it's ten grand. But in this final round, it is you. You must get a hot streak of four correct answers. There's no two out of three, two out of four, or three out of four. You must get four out of four in this round. If you can successfully figure out all four clue words in that 20 seconds, five times the value or $10,000 unless you screwed up somewhere along the way in rounds one and two, in which case you got maybe three right or four right, in which case maybe you got like $1,200 or $1,500, which case it's $6,000 or <laughs> which I just want to remind you is split among a group of five people who are complete strangers. And you know what? You know what's funny? Whenever I think of like game shows that you have to spend money like that, some stupid ass reason, I always think about how like when school, there was always one person that got credit and they didn't shit. There was always one contestant in that group of five that never got anything right, and they went home with money anyway. You know, it's currently on the air in Kazakhstan. Where? Kazakhstan. Is that a country? The Borat country. Oh Jesus. 
that's a real country. It's near Russia, Soviet Union. There's Uzbekistan, Tribekistan, Kyrgyzstan. I, I'm throwing. Yeah. So geography is important, kids. Kids it's outside study of geography. Where contestants pay game show. <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> In that, so that takes place in four acts, and you gotta remember this is a twenty-two minute show. So act one is one round, round two is second act, round three is the double round, and that's act three. Act four is the final round, and then we cut to credits. Uh, whoever wins the round, like the game, goes into the bonus round, returns the next episode where they can go against another team to try and win another ten thousand dollars. And I'm sorry, that's. Not- I, that is something that I really miss about game shows of today. I miss the concept of return. Well, I mean, like, I think it's because they want to bookend. You um, want to bookend, and you also want to make sure, like, if there's a bad episode, you can bury it somehow. I only think that's the only reasons. I mean, the only game show that I can really think of that does returning champions is Jeopardy and Family Feud. Je- Jeopardy and Family Feud? But the thing is, though, have you ever noticed that sometimes the uh, feud when they were turning champions is a little out of sequence? Because you watch well, one... That's, well, that's well, that's because of the way they do thing, and because they'll do double airings, triple airings, and quadruple airings. Because Steve like goes, here for their airings. second night, it's this family, and then you watch tomorrow's episode, here for their fifth night, it's like, wait, 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 what? <laughs> you know what? We watch, uh, we watch game shows at work during our downtime, and my one high pat. She always gets so confused because they'll be watching the first one. And they'll be like, ah, oh, back for the night. And then the next night they're like, oh, they're back for their second night. And, and she'll be like, well, wait, what the fuck happened? They just won the car. Why are they still there? <laughs> but uh, no, like that's the uh, that's the weird part of returning champions. And I mean, like, I like the idea of returning champions, but I, I think it's only out of a um, I, I think it's, it's a production just- reason. I just think it has to be a production reason. Well, with me, I think I just like it because of the nostalgia of the whole thing. You know, it takes me back to happy times. But that's what they do with Feud, and Feud's doing returning champions out of that well, reason. That's because people, well, that's because people don't know how to do syndicate, syndicated shows anymore. And like, that kind of, I can tell you right now, that kind of shit started happening when they started doing like the double air shows every week. You know, back in the day, you know, you, had, you did a show, it was syndicated, you did one episode a day. Yeah, and, and it was like a big block. Airings, and that's when it all got fucked up. I think it started around the time of Card Sharks 2000 to tell the truth. Because it's like, oh, we got Family Feud with Richard Karn or Louis Anderson. Let's add more. Yeah, then we added John O'Hurley. Why, yes, you got me. John O'Hurley here at Universal Orlando, Florida. You know what, though? He was perfect for to tell the truth, by the way. One of these is the real. I'm sorry. When I, when I saw that he was going to be hosting to tell the truth, I was like, wow, he's perfect. Because well, John O'Hurley, because to me, if I if, I hate to always like go into an off tangent because I know it's the Hot Streak episode. If you think about it, it's because To Tell the Truth is a panel game show. And the earliest panel game shows were New York in the 1950s and 60s. And this was celebrities. Right. And they were all like people either with a Broadway show or off-Broadway show. And John O'Hurley is a Broadway performer. Right. And it also has to do with the, uh, I guess, the grace, elegance, classiness of the whole era, which he, which he pretty much, let's face it, he had it. And so, so that whole, and plus that was interactivity, because then that version was the audience participation as the audience who you think is the bluffer. Right. Nowadays, it's just a point system, and it's treated like a panel game show. The contestants aren't really the panel. It's not really the the the, the imposters. No, the the contestants are the celebrities. 
<laughs> and then Mama goes, "You're a dumbass." And then she puts like a crown on the loser. And then we all go, "You, you're an idiot. You couldn't figure out who's the voice of Siri. You dumb bastard." Especially since she's talking. Although the new version, although the last uh, this current season is the best season to tell truth. I can honestly tell you, I have not watched the current season. I will tell you right now, it is the best season, and you would like it because they they do some I, old school. They do some old school to tell the truth. Because I just was not a fan of the other seasons. That's why I haven't even given it a shot. This year. I'm I'm giving it. I'm telling you right now, give this a try because they went old school on the to tell the truth imposters. So wait a minute, are you trying to tell me that? The Simpsons predicted this as well. Do they have the head of Kitty Carlisle? No, and that was Match Game 2077. <laughs> well, they they couldn't get it all right. They didn't get the I didn't do it kid yet. Um, no, like they had, a, for instance, they had the FBI Master of Disguise in the early episode, and then in the second half, they return in an imposter outfit. Oh my god! So then it's like, number three, who are you? Well, I was the Master of Disguise. And everyone's like, whoa. And <laughs> so, so they real, and then they brought, uh, and then sometimes they do, they do some good stunt casting. Like they had uh, Elvira show up as an imposter, but you never saw her as Elvira. Wait, what? Yeah. They had the real Elvira? They had the real, they, ha- they had they Cassandra had- Peterson in a I costume. Cassandra Peterson. Cassandra Peterson was in a costume playing imposter like, oh, we did this and oh, we did that. And then Anthony Anderson goes like, number three, tell them who you are. Well, I didn't give birth to my grandchildren, but I did give birth to Elvira because I'm Cassandra Peterson, the original Elvira. Okay, I have to ask, how does she look? Pretty damn good. <laughs> well, she's in her late 60s now, isn't she? Yeah, because the, the, the imposter was, I gave birth to my grandchildren because my, my, grand, my son is gay and wanted kids. So in vitro fertilization... Oh. Are I, you serious? Yeah. So they had a whole story of that, and so she was on the imposter that, in that episode. On that note, may I just say, happy Pride, everybody. <laughs> happy Pride Month. I think this is out in July, but happy Pride We're Month. Okay. Well, happy Pride Month. We're recording this in the end of June. Yeah. Um, no, it, it's really like they did They did great imposters. Like, this is now, like, actually better <laughs> than... So... Going into Hot Streak and seeing that you it know was what, a, I, can I just say I love how we start talking about one show and then we'll talk about it for about ten and then we just go totally off the beaten path. And that's kind of how the show typically goes. But I love it. Just so you, last, you, usually it. the other episodes we just go into movies, so it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't matter to me. <laughs> so, uh, so Bruce Forsyth, this was his only game show uh, in America, and I love Bruce. I was so sad when I found out that he, he died. I was so upset. Bruce Forsyth. Cause I remember because I remember as a kid watching him in fucking Bedknobs and Six. And me, it was like you. I always like heard in off color because not just internet, but like TV wise. Like you gotta see this Bruce Forsyth guy. This is Burden's answer to Bob Barker. It's Bruce Forsyth, and then you, you know see what? clips. He was, just, he was just charming and funny. And he's like, and he is like. I I wasn't I wouldn't compare him to Bob Barker even though he did the prices right I would compare him more to like a Bill Cullen because he did a I always thought he was more like Bill Cullen because it was like he had almost every game show known to man in the UK absolutely and he was very personable with the contestants just like Bill was and would do off color remarks look at the camera when go yep. wow that's 
and we, I, we could go through the history of his his entire series of <laughs> old man generation game and the cuddly toy. Play your cards right in Card Sharks. Uh, the Bruce's Price is Right, which is Bryn's answer. The Price is Right. Um, you you had. Uh, he had that uh, weird show. What was it called? The Takeover Bid, where they had prizes up for grabs, and you had to yes. bet a prize to win a prize. Uh, the he, I mean, he, he was he was just such a legend. His craft. Just you like bet, you bet, which became uh, wanna bet here in America. Uh, oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. One more. He was, if I remember correctly, he's oh, he did uh, Circle Come Dancing. He was the Tom Bergeron. <laughs> yes, he was. He was. And one of my favorite game shows, a very obscure game show called Didn't They Do Well, where the premise was, what if we repurpose old quiz show game show questions and brought them into reality, like modern day? So like if there was an American version, it was like, here's a question that Bill Cullen asked on an episode of Joker's Wild. And now here's a clip of Mark Summers from Double Dare. And now here's a quiz question uh, asked by Regis Philbin on Once a Man Millionaire. Wait, was this a real show? This was a real show called Didn't They Do Well? But instead of American game shows, it was British. So it was like, here's a question I... from University Challenge. Here's a question from Teleaddicts. Here's a question from Bullseye. I have never heard of it. It is the game show about game shows. <laughs> where right. it helps I you, if you... I know, you, I know you're going to send me a Discord eventually, but I have to say that sounds really... And in the final round, it was basically a... You have 60 seconds to get as many questions as you can, and it's like a timer. And it's like the first one's worth 1,000, the second's worth 2,000, but it's a bank. It builds the bank. So it's like the 2,000's added to the 1,000. So like 3,000, next is 4, which brings it to 7,000. And it follows that British philosophy of all or nothing, screw you if you run out of time or get the question wrong. Right. Um, and it's kind of fun. So it's kind of like... Okay, you currently have 16,000 pounds. Do you want to go on with Ann Robinson on a weakest link question? You want to go on for an episode of Bob Monkhouse, Bob's Full House question? Are you want to play on? All right, that sounds cool. I never heard. And it's all like they really digitize the videos and it's like, okay, this is for 4,000. Take it away, Bob. All right, so if you went to Monaco, you'd be located in what continent? Now, you see, now could you imagine? <laughs> okay, so, okay, I'm just like thinking out loud. Imagine, okay. We have this question that comes to us an episode of Where in this Car San Diego, and they're talking about the Soviet Union. That would be that would be an example if I had my way. That would be perfect. So uh, before we close the book on Bruce Forsyth's hot streak, because I know we just talked format, nothing else really. Uh, the original announcer was Gene Wood, who we always say is one of the greatest game show announcers because of that voice. That Gene oh, Wood. But this is also the very first game show appearance by an iconic game show legend and an icon in television, especially if you're a fan of Unwrapped. Or History IQ. Or What Would You Do? Not, not, not the ABC one, the Nickelodeon one. <laughs> As this was Mark Summers' very first game show. And it was funny because you and I were talking about the podcast. Could you, if, let's say Hot Streak was a success. This happened the air in April of 1986 double dare premiered september that same year if the whole fucking history could have been totally different if hot street came back for a second if they got a season two mark summers would have to fly out from los angeles to philly to do double dare and he would not do that uh i mean think about it if bruce forth lights hot street lasted a second season the whole 
I mean, a whole generation of kids would have totally different, if anything. We're we're a big fan of Skip Lackey and Double Dare. Oh. We really love. Uh, I'm trying to think of like other <laughs> game shows that fell in the. Big fan of Wesley. <laughs> your Double Dare. <laughs> or even oh my god, or even, uh, they got uh, uh, what the hell was the name? Uh, uh, Bill Moore, Michael Malley. Uh, no, I was thinking of a sitcom. What name? Uh, Tootie from the Facts of Life. <laughs> Ricky Schroeder. Ricky Schroeder's Double Dare. Uh, then it would get canceled after one season. And then what would happen if that show only lasted one season? Full Funhouse would end up being an even bigger hit, and J.D. Roth would end up having that show for more than a decade, and it would end up on Fox, which means he wouldn't really have the time to... So, which means the Stone Stanley Productions wouldn't really take the time to shop till you drop, which means they wouldn't have time... <laughs> to do the mole which means the mole would never exist and jd roth would never do endurance which means karma right now would not be on the air and this is all because of a fucking 13 week program from 1986 <laughs> and that's but even though it's a considered a failure in america it never aired but, in the uk well, there was the thing. failure in america to no end international this age such a hit in the UK, in UK, never aired. Australia, one season, much like Bruce Forsyth. But it's a hit in two countries. One is Indonesia with a show called Kamunikata. We watched a bit of it, the most recent version from 2015, where, where an idol group takes on an idol group in a celebrity special. Well, I'll tell you one thing. When, when I learned about that currency, good lord. They won a whopping $40. Yeah, literally. And it looks like so much money. What was it? A hundred thousand? Five hundred thousand? Half a million. Half a million. It was like 30 bucks. It was enough for... And it was... And the set looked like Family Feud because it's a free model show. I'm not kidding. It looked like the family... Like modern day Family Feud with the... They record their five episodes and then they go and they change the color scheme and then boom, it's time to play the feud. I'm not complaining about it. It's still a great looking set. But kind yeah. of weird when it comes to here's the big headphones, try and get your people to say this word without using the same descriptor words. When I don't understand, a, <laughs> there, and then there was like a bonus, like bullseye round in that version, where it was like, here's a bonus five hundred thousand if you can figure out the most points to get Tony Stark or no, get Iron Man. It won. And not one, and not one person said Avenger. So now we got to go to where it ended up being the most successful, and of course. It'd be our favorite country of the world of game shows in the modern day, Germany. Now, I have to tell you, I had such fun with the German version. Now, bear in mind, I don't speak a damn lick of it. I have tried to learn German so many times because I've got, I don't know, I think like 50 episodes that's in my collection. I would like to be able to actually understand a word of it. But, uh, and of course, we are talking about Rook Zuck. Rook Zuck. Is what it's called in in June. Was on the year on the air for like one or two years with this guy Werner. Uh, what the hell? Winner Schultz Erdel. That's right, and uh. he was bring his shit. But enter Johann Bendel, and Jesus God, you got a hit. Nineteen ninety two to two thousand eight years, eight years of this show, and then he returns in two thousand four in two thousand five. Yep. Now, what was really cool though. Way back in the day, going back to my website, Show 8K, from years ago, it was actually kind of interesting because I knew, uh, had some communication with a guy that worked at Rook. His name was Andreas, I, 
I forget how to, I don't know how to pronounce the last name because I don't do German. I believe it was Andreas Burke. And it was actually kind of funny because he reached out to me because he was just so surprised. Now, this was about 1990. Let me think. I think it was 1998 that I had that page. He was surprised that in 1998, the show had been on for about 10 years at that time, that there was not only a fan website about the show, but it was by an American. The site was he could not get over that. And it is, I will honestly say this is probably the best version of the show even though round four is kind of mixed up. So what they did in Rook Zuck versus Bruce Forsythe is it's not played with money. There's no money in the, it's just point. It's a point for a correct answer. Which I think works well. So one point, two point, three point, or four point in rounds one, two, and three. They play three rounds with singles, but then round four, instead of doing like a double round, it's a triple round. So three, six, nine, twelve. Yep. Uh, and it's still played the same. And I'm like, is, should it really be triple the point? I think that's kind of a little game breaking. Yeah, for real. <laughs> but with the point, it actually means better because now it feels like a competition because now you're not seeing like hundreds of dollars and you're seeing like point. You're seeing it like almost like a, a baseball game or soccer right. or basketball where one round it's 3-2. Now it's 4-6. Mm-hmm. Now it, and the points can move back and forth. But it's such a success. And it's such a success. Well, as we, as we said earlier, we went on the air. It's perfect for Germany because if you ever actually go through like German, it's in a German dictionary, they seriously have a word for everything. It's and a word. A, and a show like Hot Streak and Rucks Up, you have to have a good vocabulary. You have to be good with your synonyms and your anonyms. And this show, it's all about that. And if it's Germany... There's like 40,000 ways to say bread, so... Pretty much. So here we'll be like, it's the thing you eat with a sandwich with yeast, sourdough, yeah. rye, uh... Beer. And in their version, it's played similar, um, where it's with points. But whoever has the most points after four rounds, four rounds, mind you, not three, goes on to the final round where they play the money round. It's basically, that's their money round. And it's played exactly like Bruce Forsyth's Hot Streak. You gotta give the four clue words... Um, each one is worth um, 25 euro, and then second round's 50 euro. So well, 100. Oh, correction, is still Deutschmark. Oh, still Deutschmark. Because you already didn't exist yet. It was still Deutschmark. I'm, I'm still quick. going off Which like is... the 26. I'm going off the modern version. That was where my head was at. But yeah. Oh, <laughs> I mean, it's, I'm, and that's kind of funny going back in time. Like, when's the last time you heard anybody even talk about a Deutschmark? A Deutschmark. Uh, 100 Deutschmarks and 200 Deutschmarks in rounds one and two. And of course, round three, it's four times the money with all four words. Uh, the winning team plays until defeated, or, and this is the catch, six, they win six games. If they win six games, their final bonus rounds play with only one word. But if you bank your four correct answers, instead of doing a round one, round two, you're playing for the big jackpot of 100,000 Deutschmarks. Which I don't remember if that ever happened. I don't. I, I don't I just kind of go for euro uh so in the euro uh 25 would be of course 100 and 200 which means 300 which means final runs for four times or 1200 euro it's a German game show they're not really playing for big money if you want big money you have to play a uh, deal or no deal or schlog right. and rob now I'm gonna tell you though going uh I'm going back to like the word you know I'm starting to have like random like memories from years ago when I was like Still doing my website and all that crap. There were a couple of times some of the clues that they gave so 
uh, how do I how do I word this? Very politically incorrect. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mm, yeah, they would, but the thing is, though, they're politically incorrect. But you know for a fact. Feel free to chime in. If that was up in the days of YouTube, that would have been a viral clip. Well, there was a clip that I had put there that got a lot of views because it was a female team, and you know, like, and I, and they did know each, they did know each other. This was the team where they knew each other, and they were one woman was one girl was trying to explain. I believe that the clue was uh, it was some kind of like a like a nationality. And she's trying to get him to say, and then she was like, okay, wait, it's my boyfriend because her boyfriend was Chinese. Well, there is a German word that is, let's just say, a very politically incorrect term for the Chinese community. And she says it not once, not twice, but three times. And she's getting pissed because she keeps, because she's, because her friend keeps calling her boyfriend this horrible name and she starts screaming her name i think her name is lucy she's like lucy <laughs> and she's like what in the later like, versions it's no longer men women it's groups who have a similar connection right. which is when the show actually i would say works the best is when the groups already know each other mm -hmm. this version uh has been on the air from 2016 to 2018 on rl rtl plus in germany and Honestly, it then ended a couple years back. Uh, so that tells me one thing: that show is going to be reviving in like three years. So, <laughs> order is well, going to be. Know, well, you know how. Well, you know how it is. Format that it's never goodbye. It's just you know, I'll see you later. See you it's next like time. What, it's like what Betty White said in 1990. This was the fifth final password I ever did. Uh, so something tells me. Are you ready? German's going to do a rucksack uh, COVID edition. Real soon. I'm going to guess that's going to be a thing. Well, you know what? Not for nothing. That wouldn't, that, a show like that would work in a COVID era because you put all the contestants in isolation booth instead of wearing the headsets. And then once they get the work correctly, they just open up the audio to the next booth. Yeah, well, put it this way. Kind of like, you know, there's a deafen mode and a mute mode in Discord. Yeah. Yeah. So, so if it's their turn, the light will go on and they're off deafen mode. So now they can hear what's going on. And the, and the game starts. Like, that's all I can think of. Like, hey. This, this, you know what? Now that you bring this, and I thought of it, this would be a perfect show to bring in a post-COVID now. Because it's a clue game. Now, our, our like most famous clue game is Pyramid, most likely, or, or Password. Um, mm -hmm. But this is basically German's answer to Die Pyramid. Um, because it is the weird context clues, you have so little time, and you're blurting out random stuff, and then it gets silly at that level four mm -hmm. uh, clue when you're starting to go like, uh, when you go to the beach and you see one of these, you pick it up, and it's a... Uh, Permit crap. Well, no, not necessarily. It's... Uh, it's right there, though. It's in, in that zone. Uh... The hot dog I dropped. Oh, no. Sorry. We were looking for a sand dollar. Oh. Uh, and, like, there was even board games and other fun stuff with it. Uh, that hey, it, what, you know what's funny, though? I, I'm trying to remember if... I, I'm trying to remember if... I think... that Did, and, did Andrea say? I want to say that they were even working at one point on a video game. Most likely. I mean, it feels and like... It, kind of, 
because what was kind of funny was, and oh God, I'm having another flashback. He had, he had, I had asked them uh, out of curiosity, like what kind of like equipment they used, like for like, uh, like for the technological aspects of it. And he told me like all the way up to like the late nineties, they were still using Commodore Amigas to do the on-screen graphics. Brooksa. And I remember him saying that it would have been so easy to convert that into a video game and they didn't do it. Alrighty. So, uh, it, it's Fremontal Media show. Fremontal Media is the big conglomerate that owns Prices Right. Let's make a deal. It's just not the same without a hearing. No. Family feud. That, I mean, they could always try and pitch the show again for syndication. Akin to Celebrity Name Game. So, uh, normally this would be the part where I would go like, should this show be revived? If so, how? Uh, in Germany, absolutely. A COVID well, special. Thing. Like, like, like we've said before, you know, there are certain formats that just do not work in the U.S. I don't think it would. I, I mean, I'm on the, if I had to put like, if I had to put like a number between one to 10, this is not a new thing. <laughs> like, we're, this is, might be the start of the new system of how competent could this work. It's like a five, like an even middle. When you consider things like get a clue on GSN, it's like, well, there's so many clue based game shows. 25 words or less is a clue game show. Right. And it's like, well, then what's stopping this show from being revived because of all these pre-existing clue shows? No, the reason that it wouldn't survive here in the U.S. is face it, 2020. <laughs> Unfortunately, sorry to my fellow Americans, but guess what? Vocabulary. I mean, like, I can only think of you make them say silly words like frozen or flash. Because then you go frozen like when it's cold and it's cold as ice. Yes, but that's but here's the problem. We don't know a lot of synonyms. You know, Roger would be killing him since he's already dead because we don't know other ways of expressing her. And like, like that's probably the big issue. Um, but again, like you said, that's why it would be perfect for Germany. It's why it lasted in Germany. Incidentally, there was a kid's version. The kid's version, I will say, has some peer pressure in there, too. And they played it amazing. These kids were amazing. But in the in the reversal, but in the final round of that version, Kinder, Rucksuck, um, the, the final round is that the kids, each of the four people who are the team, uh, team members, give one clue word. And then the captain of the team, who's under the headphones, has fit, takes them off and has 15 seconds to guess all four. If they fail, they don't get the trip to Euro Disneyland. You know what? I'm sorry. That was a great. That was a great trip. That was like that would be like the equivalent base camp on Double Dare. But but at the same time, your peer pressure of what the kid fails. In Germany, kids don't fail. <laughs> I'm sure they have for budgetary reasons. Well, um, in more recent times, I just put it that way. Anyway, uh, so I've wrote down a few versions. The problem with the show is scoring systems mm-hmm. and that final round because it's uh, it play- because it's an irregular amount of money. It's not game show clean. You're getting two hundred and three hundred dollars. So I have alternate versions. I have three types. Uh, one is my mainline version. A version for GSN and a version for ABC Fun- Summer Fun and Games, because those are the three in order of, of possibility. All right, let's hear them. A group of five versus a group of five. But in my version, instead of here, pick your poison of the two words, all of the subjects are face down on a wheel one to ten. There's ten of them, and we go through all ten. Each of the so- captains of the team pick one of the envelopes 
to go with sight unseen so in other words you don't believe that they should be given the choice that you work you believe it should be totally randomly picked totally randomly picked that would give a very interesting um oh my god what the fuck am i gonna say mood i like that uh in round one it's one point uh per correct down the line one two three four points round two two points two four six eight three is three points but now there's a round four and a round five. We're stretching this out to an hour. So there's a round four and a round five. So every person has a chance to be the team captain. We get to know all five of the team members because in that Bruce was Bruce, that that was one gripe that I always had with that was always So we can finally look at all five of the members, get to know them, have a personality, and they get to play. Whoever has the most points goes on to the final round. And you uh, know, and not and not for nothing back to the sports sites um the way that he interacted with the contestants you know like a book type uh the fact that he didn't always all of the contestants kind of a shame and it's the and to me i think that's what we need we had five it's five rounds to play now i understand mathematically it could break on one end of the game uh because especially when it gets around three and four um but i i figure you keep playing because mathematically what if a team screws up around four and five right and plus, you're playing for a consolation prize. We're playing for consolation prizes. They're playing for points, but it, it's it's going to be times $100 per point for the runner-up. So don't don't go in. Okay. So whoever is uh, the winning team, even though they're playing for points, goes on to the money round. We're calling this final round not hot streak, winning streak. Yeah, there's a game to call win streak, but winning streak. <laughs> Uh, in this round, it's a sped-up version of the main round with the four key words. Once again, each team captain must give four clue words, and it's once again 20 seconds per each level. However, it's played with five levels of gameplay, and you need to get at least one clue word in order to advance. If at any time you completely just biff it and get no words, the round ends and you leave with nothing. So it's an all-or-nothing format. Yes. The first level one is a very easy word. $500 for each of the four clue words that you can provide. So if you can get four for four, $2,000. Make a decision. Stop with the 2000 or go on for level two where it's worth the value. So if you got one round, it'll be $500. If it's, round, if it's two, you got 1000 If it's four for four, 2000 per correct answer, meaning you're playing for four times 2000 or $8,000 make a decision point stop at eight or keep playing for thirty two thousand dollars remember you biff it not one clue word you lose everything and walk away you just wow. need one to advance you just need one to advance go to level four it's 128 and at level five remember you played the game perfectly four for four five times in a row you have the perfect winning streak it's five hundred twelve thousand dollars half a million dollars Divide among five people, it's one over $100,000 each. But it's only that's, for those who are willing to gamble. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's a big money final round. No, that, that is my dream finale, where it's just like big cash prize finale, divisible. There's stakes in the game. Make the right clue words. What are you going to say? Because there's tension drama in that. But I understand that I'm going to guess here, Chris, not anyone wants to throw away half a million dollars on a game show. <laughs> Especially if you have people that are really good with So, um, <clears throat> here we go. Uh, Let's TSN it. 
Team of Five versus Team of Five, it's a half-hour format, like most GSN originals, uh, played with three rounds, like the classic round one for one point, round two for one point, round three is the double point. Whoever has the most point goes to the final round. But in this final round, they play the exact same game, the exact same hot streak as they did the last time, but this time the bunny goes up for each correct answer. They start at a base of $1,000 because GSN minimum is $1,000. But in this round, instead of playing for points, they're playing for money. So if they get four for four, it's an extra $4,000, meaning they have, go on, four plus one, $5,000, $5,000, which brings us to the final, more difficult final uh, streak where it plays at that base value which could be as much as $5,000 and go up with each passing point. So if they played a perfect hot streak in round one, in the first level, which is 5,000, they get to play for $5,000 per point in the final chain, meaning they can get an extra $20,000 bringing their grand prize to 5,000, which would be 5,000 apiece, which is game show minimum. That works out very mathematically well. So, and if they beef it, just remember, if they screw up in round one, they still get 1000 to go into level two. So, there's still stakes that they can win $5,000. At no point do they get no money because they're going to win 1000 bucks. Now, that is Jordan's GSN edition. That is the half-hour run. Uh, Carson Presley should host it. Why not? Uh, <laughs> I have to think who is the most, like, sarcastic... Uh, obviously, we want to. I, if I had to do like a version of this, I would want like really like it to be flamboyant and vibrant and like you need someone with as much charisma, if not more so, than Bruce. We can't have like a game show host as game show host for this. It has to be someone right. that's just hyper and silly and wants to meet be friends with everybody. Um, and then it's the third attempt. This is alternate two. Now, version one was my big money version. Game two is the GSN most likely edition. Round three is ABC Summer Fun and Games edition. Why not? It's Summer Fun and Games. In ABC Summer Fun and da- Games edition, it's played with two half-hour shows to make up the full hour, like on Celebrity Family Feud. The teams are, of course, celebrities, like on Family Feud. Uh, round one is one point, round two is worth one point, round three is the two-point round, just like in the GSN edition. So it's played exactly like the German edition, 1-1-2. And actually, that's, it's played like the, uh, it's kind of played like Bruce's version mixed with Rucksack. So 1-1-2. Most points goes to the final round. And here is Jordan's attempt at the final round for a Summer Fun and Games edition. We play exactly the same as Brucey's round. Four clue words. You get $1,000 at the start, but for each one that you find of the four, it's an extra $1,000. You get four for four, that's $5,000, because it's four plus one is five. We repeat the process twice, meaning you can get up to $10,000 with two clues and four keywords on each. That's $8,000 plus $2,000 bonus, meaning you get to play level three for five times the amount or $50,000 if you can find out all four clue words in 20 seconds. If you fail or totally biff rounds one and two of the final round, you still have $2,000 to play for for five times the amount or $10,000. That could too. 
because fifty thousand dollars is what I would say is the right amount of money for a rucksack to play a perfect game in today's right. Because right. ten thousand dollars in the eighties would be roughly twenty thousand dollars American now, which we always say is five times the seventies amount of five thousand, which is twenty five thousand. Yeah, it's still five dollars a point. I don't get it, but I, I yeah, but I get it. So fifty thousand dollars is ten thousand each on a perfect round. And it follows Fremontel's uh, new famous uh, world of in-games, which is $1,000 times five, which is what they do with game. Match Game. Right, right. So that's where my head's at. And it's played with celebrities. So it's going to be like, wow, it's the cast of Real Housewives. Because <laughs> the idea is going to be like, if this is going to be Celebrity Edition, they're going to say st- silly clues and they're going to just fizzle out. And that's how I would handle it. But I would, but the only twist I would have is have like a small, like the, instead of that weird buzzer, boo, boo, boo noise, I would have it be like a small siren noise, but like a wee, wee, wee. <laughs> and then as soon as that is wee, 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 you hear a dark, ominous voice say what was the word that was repeated. So if they repeat a word, you hear wee, 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 fruit. <laughs> wee, wee, wee. Pineapple. Woo, woo, woo. Cartoon. <laughs> you know what? I have to say, I think all three of those versions make actual pretty decent sense. I Now, I don't know which one which one I would do. I'm probably my big money one, but I think Skarn-wise, it might be the, the bonk. So it might actually see either the, uh, the GSN one, because it just plays the same game, but with money. Right. Or the Summer Fun and Games Edition, which is just the classic format. Nothing's changed other than $1,000 thrown in. We're not adding for level two. It's just another second chance, which means a guaranteed $2,000 to the winning team, which is a pretty good minimum. When you consider, <laughs> when you consider, Chris, celebrity name game. True. $2,000 was the minimum grand price for the winning duo. Right. I'm just throwing it out there. It's a free model show. I got to think like free model. That's scary. Well, Steve Harvey host. That's, that's, that's just the, what I'm sorry. There's something about the sentence. Think like free model. That just makes me. You want, what do you, do you want me to think like free model media right now? Uh, I would prefer you think like Reg Grundy, but I know that can't happen. anymore. If it's Reg Grundy, he, this is what he would think right now. <clears throat> We would have a captain that's a celebrity and the rest are civilians. Yeah, that would be the inevitable. That would be what Rag Randy would want. Right. So the captain's the celebrity, and it's played with a fan, with four randos. And they're all randos. It's, they don't know each other. That would be what Grundy would want. And then you would get somebody like uh, probably uh, Glenn Beck, because it would be Rick Grundy. you got to think like he cast Chuck Woolery for Scrabble. <laughs> He's going to get some wonk. Um, versus in free mono, which will definitely be like we gotta be vibrant. It has to be like a fun party game. It needs to feel like party line, and it has to be silly and celebrity. If it's going to be on ABC Summer Fun and Games, or if it's a GSN original series, it has to feel like you know everyone knows each other. It's just a silly. What you don't say matters. Anyway, Chris, uh, normally we do a funnel question. Um. I know. I don't think you have a version. Did you have a version you wanted to pitch? Actually, I did not. I uh, that's. I am not good at pitching that kind of stuff. 
I, I'm good. This is my area of expertise. Yeah, I'm not. When it comes to like coming with ideas for like uh, games or changing formats or all that, I can tell you right now, I suck at it. This is what I do. This is what this is what people come to see on game shows, I suppose, only to forget. And then I get announced like, oh hey, did you hear? Uh, Hot Streak is coming back, and it's going to be on ABC. And <laughs> also, it's played with points, and the winner plays fifty thousand dollars. And it's going to be hosted by German Jordan. It's going to be there's a German Jordan. We saw the uh, game show marathon. I can't. I, I can't. I, I, I There's can't. a dude who looks like me in Germany, and I'm very creeped out. <laughs> I, 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 oh, my gosh. It, I mean, it's uncanny. All right. Normally, we do a final question, Chris. But instead, you have 20 seconds to figure out the four key words to describe something. Okay. All right. Lay it on me. You have to figure out the four words that best describe game shows. Your 20 seconds starts now. We have the MC. We have Bill Cohen. We have money. We have prizes. We have rice aroni. We have consolation prizes. We have buzzers. We have dings. We have bells and uh, questions and answers. And we have contestants and hi, mom. And we have, uh, we have television. We have radio. Ding, you did, you did, you did. Television, buzzer, prizes, games. You did it. You won. Right. So you get to do the plug thing, even though. <laughs> uh, you see, I, I, I'm telling you, I should not be broke. I really should not be broke. I should be on a show. <laughs> no, so this is the game show you would excel at, is what you're telling me. Well, I've always been good at word games. It's one of the reasons why I always like hot. All right. So what would you like to plug, Chris? I can honestly tell you, I have anything to plug because COVID has been taking so much out of me. Um, what I can say is that Retro Game Network is still going strong. Uh, RetroGameNetwork.com, Facebook, Instagram, at Retro Game Network, Twitter, Twitch, at Retro Game Net. Uh, I really don't have that much, to be honest. Uh, my radio shows are on hiatus. They probably until September. Doesn't like the college to be up anytime soon so other than that the only other thing that i want to plug is i make sure i'm out safe and being careful so retro game net uh at retrogamenetwork.com uh, twitter.com slash retro game net and stay safe wash your hands maybe wear a damn mask in this current listen climate do me a favor listen do me a favor everybody i work in healthcare. take care of yourselves we don't have to take care of you because we're getting tired I'm not saying that to be mean. We're just getting exhausted. So help us help you by helping. All righty, Chris. Thanks again for stopping by. We'll see you again next month. <laughs> it's already... The, the thing that's fucked up is we are already got our other show planned. I'm that one. We are not. Aren't you, aren't you glad you asked me to do that first episode with you? Now you can't get rid of me. You want a million dollars. But that's for another day. Thanks again to Chris for stopping by. Man, it's so fun reviewing Hot Streak. It's one of those game shows where I always seem to somehow forget that that show exists. But when I see it in other countries, it's like, oh, I can see why this was a big popular show. And just something about that copycat tap on the shoulder clue giving that I really, really enjoy. And while Bruce Forsyth Hot Streak came to an unforbidden close, Ruck Zuck was pretty much one of the classic game shows in germany which goes to show you you never know when a show will be successful somewhere else and the thing that still th blows me away about this was mark summers b 
being the announcer for Bruce Forsyth's hot streak because that was something we brought up was what if, you know, the entire thing happened? What if he got the job and they continue the show? What would it mean for Double Dare in Philadelphia? What would the show have been in terms of children's television? Would he have had two jobs or would it have gone to someone else? Sometimes that just goes into my head and it's like a fun little hypothetical question. But now it's time to go to the 110-part series, exploring every pricing game from The Price is Right. This is the Pricing Game Spotlight. Pass the book. Premiere date, October 4th, 2001, 1884K. Finale date, Bob Barker, June 6, 2007. Premiere date, Drew Carey, November 29th, 2007, 4104K. Pass the Buck is a game which the name comes from the fact that the contestant has to literally pass a buck to make a price of one of two products $1 higher. The game is played with two pairs of grocery items, one pair at a time. Each item has the correct price, while the other has been discounted just $1. The contestant must then pass the buck to the item which has been discounted by sliding a $1 bill marker so that both items display the correct prices. For each correct decision, the contestant earns a choice from six numbers on a game board, which has been, which is added to one free choice they are given at the start of the game. So in our words, they can earn two more choices, or three picks of the board. Concealed behind the six numbers are a picture of a car, cash awards of $1,000, $3,000, and $5,000 in two spaces marked Lose Everything. The contestant then gets to choose one of those numbers one at a time, and it accumulates whatever prizes they reveal. If they reveal, however, Lose Everything, they lose all the prizes they've won up to that point, but they may start again if they still have any choices left. The contestant may also quit after each number selection instead of taking the risk and leaving with the winnings. In other words, if you won the car, you can walk away and take the car. Probably a good idea. If the contestant uh, wins the car and still has choices remaining, they still have the option to keep going to try to get some money, $3,000 or $5,000, or even the 1000 But few contestants are willing to ever take that chance. On one occasion, though, the contestant's celebration over when the car had to be temporarily interrupted to ask them if they wanted to quit. The highest cash amount a contestant can win is $9,000 if they reveal all three cash amounts or $8,000 in the car. Cash distribution. Uh, from October 4th, 2001, the distribution was actually a little different than the one you saw in, in the modern version because it was played with eight, count them, eight squares. And that's why if you see the frame background, there's like two $1 bill things on the corner. That's because it used to be one of eight choices and before it was one of six. And it was one car, one 1,000, one 2,000, one 3,000, one 5,000, and three lose everythings. What? But uh, because of the strangeness of that, they changed it to the one we're familiar with. If one car, one 1,000, one 3,000, one 5,000, and two, just two being lose everythings. Meaning that if you win three, you're guaranteed something, even if your first two choices were to lose everything. On May 16th, 2017, Dream Car Week, cash awards total was increased to $45,000 with one car, one 10,000, one 15,000, one 20,000, and two lose everythings. 
On the first 11 plays of the game, it was played for an 8-number game board. There was no free pick, and all three choices need to be earned with three pairs of Groshams. Besides the current six, the two additional spaces concealed 2,000 and a third lose everything. The current format was first to use on January 10th, 2002, 2024K, with extra spaces replaced by dollar bill graphics. Under the game's original format, the most contestant could win without finding a car was $10,000. Now it's just $9,000. Three contestants didn't manage to win the maximum $9,000 in cash on May 3rd, 2002 and December 4th, 2006. Beginning March 17th, 2014, the car is parked in the reverse direction, just like gas money. The game has officially been won for the very first time on November 2nd, 2001, the game's sixth plane. Past the Buck has officially received 66 wins, the most recent happening January 9th, 2020, 8974K. Pass the Buck has never been the first game to be played in a game slot list. Pass the Buck has officially received several wipeouts. The most recent happening was November 18, 2019. 8901K. On May 16, 2017, there was a Dream Car Week. We already talked about those values. Uh, and the contestant got the maximum choices and got a car on the first choice and walked away. So I love Pass the Buck. I remember, and this is the strangest anecdote I can give in terms of this. When I was a kid, like child size, I was tw- it was 2001, and um, this was the day I was actually sick. I actually uh, was sick at school. Uh, I started middle school. It was 2001, and I did not feel good. And it was very frustrating. And it was like, oh, geez, I don't feel good. And my mom had to go to work. So I got stuck at home. And I saw the debut of Pass the Buck when this was a new pricing game. And you know, when you get sick and prices rights on, and you're killing, oh, this is fun. Prices rights on, yay. It was one of those things where it's like, I think everyone had that one memory of getting sick and watching the prices right. I, I had that. And it was the day they debuted a pricing game. And this is one of my favorite pricing games. Uh, it's kind of fun seeing that the game is still airing now because it's a luck-based pricing game. It's kind of similar to Punch a Bunch in in many regards, but with the added thrill of lose everything, which makes it equivalent to a let's make a deal game because lose everything is essentially a zonk in that reality. Um, I love it. I love uh, Pass the Buck, and I'm glad there's like a cash walkout. I only think that in the future, because of the prices of cars, should it be a little bit more money, like two, three, five, instead of just one, three, five. I don't know. I'm still thinking about it, but I I, I enjoy pass the buck. Uh, next time on the pricing game spotlight, hey 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 Bernie Bros, you should step up, step up. <laughs> Hello, friends. So this is the second segment. Normally, this is the part of the show where we wind down. There's a review. Some current events go on. We relax and have a good day. But uh, this is kind of going to be the segment dedicated to Jeopardy. Uh, Recent news and interviews because Alex Trebek uh, released a memoir titled The Answer Is... Uh, I, I read it on Kindle, and I got an audiobook of it. Yes, I gave Jeff Bezos <laughs> double money 
for this book, but I, I felt it was worth it. I don't want to wait the two days to get a physical copy. I can't travel out. I refuse to travel out in this uh, scary time, even with a mask. So, like, in reports when he gave the press conferences, reading the book, he he's trying to stay jovial. He's still trying to keep that optimistic attitude. And he lets it slip that... um. If they ask if you're up for another round of treatment, he said no. So this could very well be the end of a game show icon in America, uh, Alex Trebek. Now, I'm not going to make this the Alex Trebek tribute episode uh, because A, he is still alive, and B, he has a book out that's really, really good. I was going to make this segment the book report part of the show where I'm talking about Alex's life, his childhood, his upbringing in Canada, uh, his music career. He even had a few page, like pages talking about his music uh, when he got Jeopardy and then the later half in his life. And it starts out like any other book. And he's very modest. And at no point do you really want to see him as anything other than an everyday person, which I think is what Alex Trebek wants. He wants people to think he is an everyday person. Now, what I'm about to play is borderline illegal. I will admit that. Um, Simon Schuster has an audiobook version of The Answer Is, written by Alex Trebek. I don't want to just give everything out because it's, A, four and a half hours, and B, it has more emotional depth than what you have. Uh, so what I'm going to do is play the very first uh, part of the audiobook, the first three minutes, and then I'll get back to you. Uh, mostly because it's just so I can give you a sample of the book. I'm not doing this to basically be like, yay, fuck this audiobook, it's, here's it for free. I want to give a, some sort of reading sample of of this new book about Alex Trebek. So uh, here it goes. Hello, everyone. This is Alex Trebek. And this is what I had to say in the introduction to my book titled The Answer Is. Of all the projects in my professional career, I'm starting off on this one with the most serious misgivings. Over the past 30 years, I've been approached many times by publishers and writers to do an autobiography or consent to an authorized biography, but I've always turned them down. I've had no interest whatsoever. I didn't think I had anything pertinent to say to the world, and my life was not particularly exciting. I'm the typical product of my generation, a hard-working breadwinner who looks after his family does all the repairs he can around the house, enjoys watching television, and thinks a simple dinner of fried chicken, broccoli, and rice is just fine. Thank you very much. I've shown up to work at the same job for 36 years and have lived in the same house for 30 years. I respect and like my colleagues and have a family that I dearly love. In this, I'm no different from many other people. I've never seen myself as anything special. And that's why if you listen to Johnny Gilbert's announcement at the opening of Jeopardy, I'm introduced as the host 
rather than the star. I insisted on that when I took the job back in 1984. But then, early in 2019, all of that changed when I was diagnosed with stage 4 pancreatic cancer. At first, I was reluctant to share this news with the world. Basically, I'm a private person, but ultimately, I decided to do so because I wanted to stay ahead of the tabloids. I didn't want them printing or manufacturing all kinds of crap. But upon making the announcement, I quickly discovered there are millions of people out there who seem to care and who feel I have played an important part in their lives. I've received boxes and boxes of cards and letters from people around the world offering their support, encouragement, advice, and prayers. There's a very large glass display case inside the Jeopardy! studio that is filled with them. It's a humbling experience, but it is one that I thought deserved recognition. It made sense to respond to that outpouring of care, good wishes, and prayers, so I started to come around to this idea of a book. And I'm going to stop there because I don't want to get sued. Uh, I picked this up on Audible. Uh, I don't know if there's an exclusive rights on Audible or if there's any other e uh, audiobook websites uh, for you to pick it up. But go right ahead and, and please buy this uh, for two reasons. One, because it will hopefully bury Ben Shapiro's audiobook and that guy's a piece of shit. You know, the facts don't care about your feelings, and, uh, you know, I'm going to say a transphobic statement. Why do they keep saying I'm transphobic? You know, that doesn't really make sense. And, you know, um, one more thing here with the water floods up. Why don't you just sell the houses? You know, yeah. And I'm going to go hang out with PewDiePie and do a epic win. Please do not hang out with Ben Shapiro. That dude sucks. And two, because this is an actual, I'm not going to say a speed read. It was four and a half hours, but I ordered it at noon today and i was done by dinner time and i got to learn a whole new perspective on one of my favorite game show hosts now there is kindle edition so there's an ebook edition and there is physical copies which you can pick up wherever fine books are sold so uh, hopefully if there is a mom and pop a bookstore in your area at, give them a phone call and ask them to pick up a book or two and order one and hopefully they'll give it to you and you can order through pickup because, yes, I still feel guilty I ordered these through Jeff Bezos and not through a mom-and-pop bookstore. Welcome to a new reality. So I don't really want to just keep venting into the story of Trebek and spoil a lot of things about the book, but it is one of the most fascinating game show host books I've read in quite a while. I, I've read Priceless Moments with Bob Barker. I've read Don't Touch Me by Howie Mandel. I even read Mark Summers's book, Everything in Its Place. Uh, each one of these people have a talk about their childhood. Uh, a lot of them talk about two or three uh, problems that they have in their life. And obviously for Trebek, there's a few more. Um, that's the ones I don't want to spoil. Some stuff, if you're a game show nerd, you've already probably f figured out. Uh, there's a few glances at Pitfall in this book. There's others where he talks about Jeopardy and then the impact that show has. And then the cult of celebrity involved, too, uh, which is why he's such a private person. And then everyone assumes some other perspective on him. A good chunk of this book 
is on the impact the show has on his life. Uh, obviously, that it's been his career for thirty plus years. So everything from like a parasocial relationship of "Hey Trebek, I liked when you said this," or "We'd watch you all the time." to the assumption that because Trebek has all the answers on the clue card, he's a real smart person. And he jokes in the book about like how much he, he is probably the average human being in terms of knowledge, but he doesn't mind the, uh, the perception so much. And I thought that was very fun. He has a great sense of humor, a very light heart. It's, it's not as dark and dismal as you might think, when it approaches stage four pancreatic cancer is when it does take a bit of tone shift. And that chapter did kind of, for lack of a better word, did, did put me on edge. Um, it, it was very, uh, it's a very sad chapter. I mean, we're still living in that chapter as we speak, if we want to get honest. But the resolution in the book offers up some hope and I think it's not so much uh, a book about himself and his life it's supposed to be a book about anyone uh, that deals with any sort of setback of any kind uh, you know I, I think this is a book where Trebek is almost kind of acting I'm not gonna say like a guidance counselor or like a therapist because he he pretty much says that he doesn't have every answer in the book. That's kind of the big spoiler. But you have to keep asking questions, and it's okay to be curious. Because that's always been his, basically that's his ongoing thing, is just keep be having an open mind, keep being curious, keep being fascinated by new things. Um, But it's kind of more like, uh, it's kind of more like, look, this happened to me. And here's what I do to look back, try and find your own thing to to help you out. That's kind of his his outward message in the book. The the book is full of pretty heavy things, obviously. When you're looking at someone's career and where the position is of the writer at the time of the book, and it goes into everything from the imposter syndrome of when he first started to today with all these letters of support they got him through the last year it didn't really feel like um it didn't really feel like a dull book at all normally when i think of these game show books like a game show host autobiography because of any celebrity biography it's usually a it's usually kind of like a I was born here in 1994 and when I was this play I went to this and also when this happened I was like oh no here is a nice anecdote story one time I had dinner with so and so and they were like this and I was going haha that is very that's most like books Trebek's book barely scrapes through that he barely does the anecdote thing probably because he's gone through so many anecdotes on jeopardy that he's probably like dude if i have to fucking talk about the one time i met lyndon johnson i'll be pissed i don't want to talk about pierre trudeau fuck this i'm doing my own story so it becomes things like merv griffin talk uh talks about 
marriage, uh, game show hosting, what made him into a game show host, what his thoughts are on performing as one. And it's very, it's, it's, it's such a good, it, to me it's the advice. It really is a good resume of what a game show host should be. And a lot of people see him in Jeopardy and it's kind of like fun to see him in other game shows. Like for instance, Wizard of Odds or High Rollers or Battle Stars or Classic Concentration. Uh, that This is a wonderful book about a television icon in the in the world of of game shows he is going to be one of those icons and jeopardy was his life for the longest time and i always say jeopardy is the ambassador for game shows that's the one thing i always take away from the show is it doesn't matter who you are you, you don't have to be a game show fan maybe a sports fan you could be a pop culture nerd you could be a person who is just uh, obsessed with one little piece of, of of kitsch you might have a niche podcast not about game shows maybe it's about uh the digimon maybe it's about trains you will pro- most likely have seen episode jeopardy and have enjoyed an episode of jeopardy because there's always going to be one category or there's a scoring war and you're just intrigued this is the closest you can get to knowledge as a sport in this country and the wagering aspect of daily doubles has that sense of stakes in the game too that, that people get very excited for when someone does a true daily double and it either pays off or just sends them to bankrupt. It's a recommended read if you are a big fan of game shows. Uh, if you enjoy television biographies, this is a little different than whatever comedian has a new book out about like their failed Tinder dates or something. Because this guy's lifestyle is not one of like a stand-up comedian, and it's not one that's like a YouTuber uh, who is just in the start of their life. Uh, so this is a great reflection, and it's a it's a it's a I say it's a must-read for the game show fandom, for the mainstream audience only if you really like Jeopardy, and because it's the game show ambassador and Trebek is the face of that show. If you've ever enjoyed Jeopardy, I do recommend you read The Answer Is by Alex Trebek. Oh no, that sound means we are out of time. You would think I'd get used to it by now. Anyway, thank you so much for tuning in. If you like this episode, you can tune in for more episodes over at jordanhaas.com slash podcast. We are available on Apple Podcasts and Google Play and all the other podcast providers. And while we are slowly moving our way into solo episodes before eventual ending in November, I want to say that, hey, if you want to support the show, patreon.com slash Jordan Haas is your go-to place, as well as going to twitter.com slash Jordan That's where you'll find me there. So that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Next week, we'll be talking about three on a match. Fantastic classic game. Until then... Have a great night and big smooch.
Ruckzuck ist eine Red Grandi Produktion. Hergestellt im Auftrag von Tele 5.